Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. The title of today's message is The Obedience of Fasting. The Obedience of Fasting. And I want to read Joel chapter 2. You're about to see as the message progresses how much the Bible talks about fasting, like a lot. And I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that for some reason, early in Keystone's story, I would personally fast, but I didn't preach a lot on fasting. Several years ago, I even came to you and I said, this has to be a correction. We've got to correct this. I need to preach on this more, and, and, and we begin to do that, and we've seen powerful results. Today, we are again joining together and saying, let's all fast together, and we could do that for seven days, we could do it for three days, we could do it for 21 days. This journey is a 21-day journey, and I want to kick it off with all the options available. God brought me to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, you could turn there in your Bible, or you could find it on your phone, You could read on the screen. Joel chapter two, verse 12, scripture says, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is still time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. The book of Joel is all about the day of the Lord. And in chapter one, you see that the locusts had devoured. And Maybe you would find yourself today, you'd say, Brennan, spiritually speaking, the locust has devoured in my life. There's some regrets that I have today. There's some some pain that I feel. There's some, I'm paying some prices for some choices I've made and the locust has devoured. Mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, He says, don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Who knows, perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. And here what he's saying is, truly in chapter one, there had been an infestation of locusts that had devoured the crop. And and what he's saying here is, perhaps God could restore what the locusts have devoured. And as we were mentioning a moment ago, my prayer for you in this journey is that you would experience the fulfillment of the scripture that God would restore what the locust has devoured. Anybody need that promise today that God wants to restore for you what the locust has devoured? Right here in the text. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, even the babies. I love what the English Standard Version says. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. And this is what we are doing. As a church, we are going biblical 
And we are calling for a, today to be a solemn assembly. That doesn't mean we don't laugh. It doesn't mean we don't sing. But this is something serious in our hearts. It's a solemn assembly of the heart where we gather to fast and pray and launch a journey of fasting and praying. And as I mentioned, the title of this message is The Obedience of Fasting. The Obedience of Fasting. Now, last weekend, we had the message before the series, and we called it pre-workout. It was like a pre-workout, some supplement to the workout that was coming. Well, we're in the workout, and last weekend, we were careful to make a mention of the process of building faith. What does that look like? And I want to quickly just recap this. This is very, very important that the, the process of a believer experiencing a building of their faith, it begins with grace. It begins with grace. Grace is God pursuing you when you weren't pursuing him. Even if you say, but Brandon, I came to church. I woke myself up in like 12 degree Arctic storm and came and Arctic freeze and all of that. And I came, but God's the one who stirred your heart to come. God's the one who's opened your eyes that, that a change needs to be made. And that's what grace is. Grace is when God knocks on the door of your heart. Faith is the next step. That's where you hear the knocking of God. And maybe today, online, in the room, you're hearing God stirring you, pulling you. Faith is when you embrace the grace. Faith is crossing the line. It's saying, God, I'm in. I don't have all the answers. I haven't figured it all out. But today, God, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of wondering where I stand with you today. Let's settle it for all eternity. I'm in. That's faith. And then once we have that faith that we did not earn, we did not deserve, it wasn't our works, it was grace, then obedience. Obedience. And that's where we are in this series. This series does not neglect grace and faith, but it builds from that grace and faith that we obey not to get God's attention, we obey in the middle of God's attention. Our obedience is not to gain God's favor, our obedience is because we are swimming in the favor of God made possible by Jesus Christ. This is very important. So we're gonna talk a lot about obedience. We're gonna talk about a lot of steps. We're gonna talk about what historically has been called spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. That word discipline can have a negative connotation. I wanna rethink that word a little bit. Discipline in my home as we raise four children Discipline, I would even tell them this. I will discipline you on this issue until you self-discipline yourself. In other words, there's a perceived mark. Missing the mark requires discipline to get you to make the mark. Making the mark would be a behavior. Making the mark would be obeying your, your parents. But I will discipline my child until they hit the mark to the point they self-discipline and they don't need my discipline to hit the mark. That's Parenting Hack 101, y'all got that? So we don't discipline out of anger, we don't discipline to punish, we don't discipline out of reaction because we're mad. Great parenting disciplines with the mark in mind and I'm gonna help bend your sinful will to do what I've asked you to do. God does the same thing with us. He says, I discipline those I love. You know what God is doing? He's saying, I'm willing to bend your stubborn heart to make the mark. 
self-discipline. Another way to say it is spiritual habits. At the end of 21 days, our prayer is that you have embraced some new spiritual habits. And these new habits you might prefer to some of your old habits. That you come out on the other side and you say, you know what, I'm leaving 21 days different than I arrived. And there's some things that I'm letting go of because I've embraced something I like even more. 21 days of disciplines, 21 days of habits. So let me just describe, for those of you that are brand new and haven't been on this journey, we've been talking about it for weeks, but let me summarize again, what are we doing in this 21 days? It's 21 days of fasting. Now, what that means is that for 21 days, our church, in some way, form, or fashion, we are fasting, all right? So we have not prescribed 21 days of a food fast for everybody. What we've asked is everybody pray, lean into the Lord, and let him tell you what you're to do. But for 21 days, we're setting aside these 21 days for you to fast. And in those 21 days, we're all fasting in some, fame, some, in some way. Some of us may, for example, today be starting a three-day water-only fast. I've heard that from some of you. Today's the day of a th- first day of a three-day water-only fast, and that's your food fast. Others, you're going three-day water, and then you're transitioning into another kind of food fast, maybe a Daniel fast. Others of you, you're saying, I'm doing no sugar for 21 days. Others, my food fast is no alcohol for 21 days. Others of you, you say, well, I'm adjusting my food. Um, I'm, I'm doing an altered diet, or I'm not eating and, uh, during, while the sun is up, I'm not eating. I'm gonna have a light meal in the evening, and that's it. There's all kinds of options for you, and we want you to explore all those options. And really, this is between you and the Lord. We really believe that if you'll ask God, what do you want me to do? He'll, he'll give you the custom-made fast journey. And also, the benefit of this is if you're joining us this week or joining us next week or the week after that as you invite friends, they can jump in at any time. Our church is in a 21-day fast. You pray for yourself how you wanna do it. And so, for 21 days, we encourage you to make part of that fast food. You say, well, I'm fasting from movies or I'm fasting from entertainment or I'm fasting from social media. That's all great. But at some point, we urge you to make it food. And the reason is because when God talks about fasting in the Bible, 99.9 times out of 10, it is is food. And we're gonna talk today about the power of a food fast. We're also encouraging you to take a fast from certain kinds of entertainment. Entertainment that makes you down, entertainment that makes you sad, entertainment that, that doesn't build your faith. Anything you're watching, any music you're listening to, any book you're reading, let it be something that builds your faith. In other words, no movies where you feel like you have to fast forward through a scene. No shows where you feel like you gotta fast forward through a scene. For the students, no music that if your parent were to walk in, you're like changing it real quick. None of that, just listen to Christian music. Watch watch faith building shows. Uh, On the the resource that Pastor Dan mentioned, we have uh, recommendations even for books that would build your faith and, and even fiction that would build your faith, that's just encouraging. It doesn't have to all be Christian, just something that's clean. Like, let no garbage in during this 21 days. It's kind of like a cold plunge. On my birthday, my birthday this year was on Thanksgiving Day. And about every seven years, it rolls around, my birthday's on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my early 30s, and so I thought, 
I thought on this day, what I wanted to do, I got up a little early and I jumped in the pool and it was freezing cold and I did a cold plunge, okay? And I got in there and I set my, my phone and it was several minutes long and I just got in there and, and I'm in the water and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like everything, I mean, just, just miserable, miserable. Um, when I got out of the water, when the alarm bell rang, I found that as I got into the cold plunge, my body began to acclimate and I, I stopped having to go, <laughs> my body began to acclimate. And then I got out of the water and all day long on my birthday, I felt amazing. I had seen all over Instagram how cold plunge helps. So I did it. Have not done it since. <laughs> but... I'm here to say it was awesome, it was good. The point is that maybe for you fasting is like a cold plunge. Jump in, you'll feel great at the end of it. Even if it's scaring you a little bit, listen, I believe today God's gonna give you the faith for you to do it. Let's talk about a definition of fasting. I love this definition. Fasting is the voluntary surrender of something we need or love in order to remind us that we need and love Jesus more. Now let me remind you, we'll hold that definition up for a second. Maybe you'll need that to encourage you. Our hearts are perpetual idol factories. Our hearts tend to create idols. And if you just feel, oh man, that's true, it's me, I'm horrible. All of us are in the same boat. In Genesis, we see a picture of humanity before the fall, before our first family took a bite of the forbidden fruit, and our hearts were created to worship God perfectly and beautifully, and we never stopped. Our hearts were made to attach to the glory of God, and like this beautiful relationship, we were perfectly connected. But when our first family took a bite of that forbidden fruit, something broke and our hearts became untethered to perfect fellowship with God, and so our hearts tend to attach to other things, trying to get that feeling, that faith that we had with God. We turn to people, we turn to substances, we turn to respect, we turn to epic adventure, we turn to all these other things when our hearts are made to connect with God. Here's what fasting does, and hold that, that definition up, good. Fasting is the surrender of good gifts that are bad gods. Good gift, bad God. So I am putting that gift in its place, just in case my little idolatrous heart has attached to it at an unhealthy level. I'm telling you, deeply personal stuff, where you could say, you know what, I think I have an unhealthy attachment to ice cream. Good gift, bad master, bad master. Whatever it may be, alcohol, whatever it may be, leverage this season to say, I'm putting you in your place because I love Jesus more. I love Jesus more. Fasting is part of our relational rhythm with God. It's a part of a relational rhythm with God. And I'm very, very careful to talk about the word rhythm. Many of us in our life, we seek balance. 
I've heard it a million times, I'm seeking a perfect work-life balance. Can I encourage you? This is gonna help somebody. If you're pursuing balance, someone is always losing. I've never met anybody that hit the perfect mark where the family is perfectly happy with your workflow and your work is perfectly successful in your workflow. Rather, I believe God models for us rhythm. What What did God do when he created everything? He worked six days and he rested one. That's not balance, that's rhythm. Fasting is a rhythm. You don't fast three days and then eat three days for the rest of your life. No, fasting is a moment that you've set aside for correction. It's set aside, and we'll talk about all the purposes for calling out to God, but it's not something you do as a, as a balance in your life. It's something you do as a rhythm of your life. Think Texas two-step, Texas two-step. I'm going to one, two, and then back one. Y'all don't know that? This is the Texas two-step. I'm an amazing dancer. Just ask Susan. That's me joking. Okay, you go two and one. That's not balance, but it is rhythm. And God wants to dance. God wants to dance in this rhythm of fasting. Matthew 6, 16. Jesus said this, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And I'll read more of this verse in just a minute, but, but I wanna make a note that here Jesus is saying, not if you fast, but what did it say? When you fast. There is an expectation he is setting that fasting is a part of the rhythm of your relationship with God. Fasting isn't just a good idea. Fasting is a part of your rhythm and your relationship with God. And what he's specifically saying here is when you fast, hey, let it be authentic. More on that in a moment. He says it again. In Matthew chapter nine, we see The disciples of John came to him and said, hey, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast. Okay, let me hook that up. In the second temple, Judaism, when Jesus was ministering and living and walking, that was a time period where basically the Pharisees and people that were spiritual, fasting was a rhythm of their life. And Jesus and his disciples weren't fasting like the Pharisees were and weren't even fasting like John the Baptist was. And this was confusing to them. Why don't you ever fast? You say, I feel like this is a conflicting message. Hang with me. Jesus said, well, the reason we're not fasting right now is because the bridegroom is with them. I'm with them. And there's gonna be a moment when I'm away from them and then they will fast. Notice what it said at the very end. Then The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Not if you might fast, but you will fast. And guess what? We're living in the day and the era where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He is not on earth with us right now and we are in the era of the church where we are fasting. There will come a day where Jesus comes back and he comes back for the bride, the church, and their fasting days will be over because we will be with the bridegroom. So there's deep theology happening here, but he's saying, hey, when I'm gone, and he is, when he's with the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit's with us now, what you see is, he says, they will fast. 
And we see this in the early church in the book of Acts immediately, whenever they were pressing into faith or they were praying for someone to be released from jail, they prayed and fasted. It was a part of their rhythm. And then even the early church fathers, you begin to go study. Part of the, the joy of my studying was I even discovered Tertullian, Origen, Polycarp, Irenaeus. These are early church. They're not in the Bible. These are the people like Polycarp, it said, was discipled by the apostle John. So we were talking about people that are in that first generation of Christians outside of the Bible and they wrote about fasting and they talked about fasting and they even debated about fasting. Fasting was a topic. And so fasting for the, for the life of the Christian church is a thing. It should be a regular rhythm of our relationship with God. And then I love what it said in Joel 2. Did you catch this? Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Did you hear that? What a beautiful picture. And now I wanna go back to Matthew chapter six. In Matthew six, he said, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, their fasting, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What are we talking about here? Authenticity. Authenticity. You do not perform for repentance. Repentance comes from a heart that is torn. So what Jesus is actually doing here, it's kind of funny and really, really bold. What he's doing is he is poking religious leaders who in that day, they would be in a fast. I mentioned Second Temple Judaism, big time fasting culture. They would be in a fast and they would have disheveled hair and they would have you know, their, their, their stubble and their clothes would be all frumpy and they'd be walking around. Oh, they'd be walking around. And somebody would say, are you okay? What's wrong? Oh no, I'm fasting. <laughs> Don't mind me, I'm fasting. And Jesus is looking at us and he's going, Ugh. Don't make it all this big show. Like we're trying to impress everybody else with our spirituality. Look how much I'm fasting. Like it's some sport. Oh, you're doing that? Well, I did this. This one-up game. And somebody says, well, I once fasted for three days. And da, 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 da. And you say, well, I once fasted for seven days. It's not a competition. It's about the authenticity of the heart. And this is your journey. Your journey is not my journey. My journey is not your journey. We can encourage each other. We can learn from one another but this is your journey. Do not tear your clothes, rather tear your hearts instead. King David, he said in Psalm 69.10 in the ESV, he said, I humbled my soul with fasting. Oh, whew. I humbled my soul with fasting. Epic partners in our culture, Batman and Okay, we could do better than that. Batman and? Yeah. Starsky and? Hey. Um, peanut butter and? All right. SpongeBob and? There we go. Yeah, I love it. Partners, guess what the partner for fasting is? Prayer. Prayer and fasting. Fasting is partnered with 
prayer. Say it together. Fat, fasting is part, fattening, nope. Fasting is partnered with, say it, prayer, prayer. I was getting my hair cut this week. And um, I, was, I was the guy, who, he goes to a church in Dallas and, and he knows I'm a pastor and he said, hey, we're in this 21 day fast at my church. So they started a week ago. He said, I'm in, I'm in day whatever, five, and man, pastor, you gotta help me. Like, I'm dying here. Like, I'm mean to everybody. I'm grumpy like crazy. How do you do it? How do you do it? As he's cutting my hair. How do you do it? I said, I better give him a good answer or I'm gonna show up, you know. So I said, uh, I said buddy, whenever you feel that hunger, Whenever you feel that hunger, pray, pray. When you feel that invisible hand reaching out from your body to go grab that whatever, pray, slap that hand down with prayer. You said, I'm not gonna, I'm, not, I'm fasting away from that and you're at a business lunch and somebody ordered guacamole and there it is. And you said, I'm on a fast from guacamole because my insatiable appetite for guacamole is just beyond what is healthy. <laughs> and you feel that invisible hand reaching for those salty, thin, wonderful meat, you know, oof, chips. You slap that invisible hand down with prayer. Fasting is always accompanied with prayer. This is very important. So whenever you feel that desire, you pray right then and there. So if you're praying for something, you feel this caving in of your stomach and you, you just right then and there, you say, God, right now I give you this moment. I, I'm praying for my kid to come back to Christ. I feel this hunger. I give these hunger pains to you. I'm with you, God. And you just, you, you avert your eyes from that guacamole. You just, I'm averting my eyes. And, and you just decide. Anytime I feel the hunger, boom, I pray. Anytime I feel the desire, I'm, I'm on my knees and I'm praying. When I feel the want, and it's late at night, and, and, and I'm used to having my tea or having my coffee or, or glass of wine, whatever it is for you, and you say, but I'm fasting from that, you get on your knees instead. You open up your Bible instead. You give that moment to the Lord, and therein lies its power. Fasting is powerful. Isaiah 58, verse 6 is, this, is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Loose the bonds of wickedness, undo straps, oppressed go free, break every yoke. There is power in this fast. Now fasting is pain, but sometimes pain brings power. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. That's awesome. Speaks to us in our conscience. That's why your best ideas are in the shower. You finally stopped and God can talk to you. But shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now this is a great passage and a great quote for suffering. Some of you are going through that. But I want to apply it to fasting because fasting is a self-imposed kind of suffering. 
It's a self-imposed kind of pain, and I believe God wants to shout through a moment where you say, I'm willing to give up so that God could be exalted and go up in his priority in my life. I'm willing to, to hurt a little bit. I'm willing to be hungry. I'm willing for the pain, the pangs of those hunger pangs. And I'm, I'm willing to do that. It's powerful. And it said there, break the yoke. You know, that's, a, that's an image of a collar on a beast of burden, like an oxen in those days. And they would have this collar, and that collar would restrict that beast of burden to the purpose that you wanted it to do. And here what it's saying is when you fast, some of you have an unhealthy yoke on your life. You have an unhealthy collar on your life and you are restricted far more than what God's will is for you. You're restricted to your addictions. You're restricted to unhealthy attachments. You're restricted. And God says, through this, I wanna break the yoke and I want you to be wild and free again. That's the power. So fasting is powerful to, Bend or break your desires. Bend or break your desires. Last week I, I mentioned I was gonna share this story, so here it is. Right before Christmas, right before the Christmas services started, God put it on my heart for me to have a three-day fast that was only, no food at all, for three days. And all I had was water, tea, or uncaf, a decaf coffee. No caffeine in the coffee. And so it was just water, tea, and coffee for, for three days. And during that journey, uh, it was very, very powerful for me. It was a health journey, that was the purpose, and, and it was also a spiritual journey. And so I just was like, you know, going into these services, I wanna, I wanna pray for God to do great and mighty things. I wanna be physically ready. I wanna be my very peak health for six services. And so I said, God, I'm gonna go through this fast and I wanna walk with you in this fast. And so that's what I did. And God showed me something very, very powerful in this fast. First, I wanna tell you the miracle. Three days, no food. And I like food. Three days, no food. And I was not hungry at all. Not one grumble, not one hunger pang, not one nothing, not at all. I've been more hungry today already than I was for three days of nothing but water, tea, or coffee. I consider that a miracle. And I believe what God was teaching me was this. Though I did not have hunger pangs, you remember that invisible arm that I told you exists? It was there. That invisible arm. One night I cooked for the whole family. And when I cooked for the whole family, so for me, cooking is like fun. Play the music, you know, throw a little bit of this in there. You know, that's me. I like to, cooking for me is like a joy. And Susan, it's science. Let's just get to the meal. You know, but for me, it's like play. So Susan and I love to cook together, and it's like a fun thing we do. And, and I decided I'm going to do it. And I made this chicken, and it's just really good, rosemary thyme, great. And then I make this cream sauce. It's a white wine cream sauce with parsley chopped up. I need to stop. And, um, and so I made all that, and Susan and the kids are like, you don't have to do this. We, we're good, you know, we're good. You don't have to do this. But I wanted to do it. I wanted to challenge myself, right? I wanted, it wasn't their fast. It was my fast. And so, but it was hard because I like to taste that sauce as I'm making it. A little more sugar, a little more pepper. And I found my invisible hand reaching for the sauce. 
you know? And at one point, I thought it was my invisible hand. It was literally my hand out of control. <laughs> and I had to slap it down with prayer. But here's what God taught me. And I want, I want to teach you this. What God taught me was, Brandon, you weren't hungry for three days. But you had desire. And what he taught me was, desire is even more powerful than hunger. It wasn't hunger that wrecked your life. It was desire. Lack of health, often desire, not hunger. That was a powerful, powerful thought for me. And maybe that speaks to you as we begin this journey. Fasting has a purpose. And Donald Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for Christian Life, gave us a ton, including scripture. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you, fill up the screen with all the purposes of fasting as I see it. And what I'd love for you to do, you could take a picture of it, but we're also gonna post this this week. The social team didn't know that until I just said it. But here we go. Fasting has a purpose. Here it is, strengthening prayer. You can see the scriptures. Seeking God's guidance, expressing grief, seeking deliverance or protection, expressing repentance and returning to God, humbling oneself before the Lord, expressing concern for the work of God, ministering to the needs of others, overcoming temptation and dedicating yourself to the Lord, Expressing love, just if, if not just this, God, I'm fasting to express my love and worship to you. Now I want you to look at this. You can take a picture, that's fine. But as you see this, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by all of the list, but I'm even more overwhelmed by all of the scripture that supports this list. You think God is trying to teach us something that fasting is a rhythm in our relationship and it has power in your life and it has multitudes of purpose. You say, well, I'm not in this sad moment. I don't need to fast. Your purpose is on that screen. Somewhere on that screen, you will find a purpose in your life if it's only to say, God, I love you more. I love you more. God, I wanna tune my appetites to you, and so I'm using this fast to tune my appetites to you. I love you more. I began to ask Google, about the health benefits of fasting. And this, I found several articles about the health benefits of fasting. And here's eight of them. Number one, blood, blood sugar control. Uh, fights inflammation. Healthy heart. Boosts brain function. Weight loss and boosts your metabolism. Increase the growth hormone, HGH, the growth metabolism and muscle strength. Uh, longevity of life and it aids in cancer prevention, and, and even some who are in chemotherapy have been led by their physicians in a multiple day fast, just so they can, uh, it, it has a, a powerful effect on their, at a cellular level. I begin to ask about the brain. What happens in the brain when we fast? What happens is instead of, as I read it, glucose fueling the cells, we produce what's called ketones. And ketones help the brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, all right? Y'all all know what that is, right? Here's what it is. It helps with the growth of new cells in the brain, and it helps connecting the cells that are there and gives them a longer life. 
And so some people, though the research is even early, some people are even saying fasting helps with Alzheimer's and different things like that. At the very least, memory functions. If you still say I have long COVID, no, you're probably just aging. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what, this could actually help sharpen uh, brain function. So that's just the physical side. And I think it's powerful to, to point that out because if God has made it such an obvious rhythm for our lives, such biblically supported and modeled by, by, by all of the, the church fathers, then I am inspired. I am inspired by how it also just physically helps us that God's walking us into something that not only tunes our hearts and souls toward him, but actually he knows it helps us physically. It's a good thing for us physically. In Esther chapter four, we see a nation that was under threat. And Mordecai, Esther's uncle, came to her and said, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. <clears throat> then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do and then I will go to the king though it is against the law and if I perish, I perish. And Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. You know, I'm most inspired. I'm inspired by Esther saving a nation which preserved the bloodline toward Jesus. I'm inspired by all the scripture we've seen. I'm inspired by the, the productivity of it and how it's powerful, how it's productive. And it's a, it's a rhythm of our lives. But the greatest inspiration comes to me from our savior, Jesus Christ. 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. I don't know how he did that physically. And when he was fasting, he was tempted like in every way we are tempted. And he did not sin. And when he was perhaps at his physical lowest, bread was dangling in front of his face by the devil himself. And he quoted scripture, spiritual discipline. He quoted scripture back to that temptation. And he had the power. And right when he was at his physical lowest, God nourished him with angelic help. The man of solitude, the man of suffering, says, whatever you're walking into, I'm with you, I've been there, and I'll help you through it. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.